0: Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message by Executive Pastor Chris Valdez. Thank you, Pastor Darrell. I was thinking the same thing he was saying when he was announcing the women's painting party. I was going to say, yeah, you'll be painting on a canvas. We don't have you painting a room in the church. But as soon as I thought that, I was like, but when the men come, we are going to go out to work. We'll be chopping uh, down dead trees and trimming trees. So for that work day, if you have like a pole saw or chainsaw or anything like that, uh, bring it and we'll put it to use and we'll put you to use. <laughs> well, this morning, uh, we're going to s- start out with uh, just a little bit of looking back at what we talked about last Sunday if you weren't here we we just discussed how John chapter 13 verse 1 all the way through John chapter 18 verse 11 is actually uh, one uh, evening one day uh, for Jesus Christ. It was as he was celebrating his third Passover with the disciples and before he was to be arrested. And a lot of the times those stories, there's so much packed in there that we think it, you know, a lot of them we've heard sermons on each one individually. So I think in our minds we can separate them from each other, but all of that really happened in one evening. And I wanted to re-encourage, if you didn't have a chance this week or if you weren't here last week, uh, sometime this week, take a moment to read from John 13, 1 all the way through 18, 11 and remind yourself as you go through, this is one, one day, one evening uh, that Jesus had with the disciples. And it ends in John chapter 17 uh, with Jesus praying what is known traditionally as the high priestly prayer. Um, in this series, though, I'm referring it to it as the real Lord's Prayer, because this is the prayer that Jesus himself prayed. And he prayed for the disciples, he prayed for himself, and he prayed for us as the church in that prayer. And before we get into this morning's message, I want to uh, look over the high points of this prayer with you um, and just see what the main themes are. In verse uh, 1 through 5 of John 17, Jesus prays for himself and he tells the Father that his work on earth has been finished. He's saying, I did what you sent me to do. And then in verses 6 through 19, he prays for his disciples that the Father would keep them and sanctify them and that they would be one, even as Jesus and the Father are one. And then in verse 20 through 26, he concludes the prayer By praying for the entire church that's to come. And this includes you and I. That we might be unified in him. And share his glory. And he starts out this portion of the prayer. And you'll see this on the screen. He says, I do not ask for these only. And he's referencing the disciples who he just prayed for in the preceding verses. But he says, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And here is where Jesus includes the whole church from that moment until the time when he returns, which includes us. And so in addition to the prayer that he uh, finishes from that point on, that includes us by including us and saying not only for the disciples, he's also saying what he just prayed for the disciples is for us as well. And we're included in that prayer. And I just want to say you can't read Chapter 17 of, of John without walking away with the understanding that Jesus wanted us to be one like he and the father are one. And we read last week and we'll read uh, later how he said that the whole point was so that the father would be glorified and that the world would know that he came from the father and that the world would know that the father loves the world just like he loves the son. Because we are one, like Jesus is one with the Father. That being said, I want us to look, and and we also discussed last week how that theme goes all the way through from chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, into 17. And so I think it's very obvious that Jesus had a point that he wanted to get across. And I want us to keep in mind as we look at John 13 this morning. There's three things that I want to point out, and that's that we're going to see that we can be one in obedience, one as servants, and one in Jesus Christ. And before we get into chapter 13 and the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, I want us to see that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one with the Father in obedience. And this is key to what we're going to see in chapter 13. And to take that one step further, I believe that it's uh, key to everything that we see Jesus do in his witness, uh, in his entire witness to us throughout his life. In John chapter 5, verse 19, and this will be on your screen, it says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does Likewise. And in John twelve forty nine through 50, Jesus says, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the father has told me. One thing uh, I wanted to point out there, too, is and it I noticed it for the first time when I was reading it this time. as He says that he told him what to say and what to speak. And I thought, well, that not that the same thing? It's just what, what he's saying. And when I looked those words up, the first word is more past tense. It's like what I've said. So Jesus is saying, everything that I have said up to this point, I've said what the Father told me to say. And then what I'm saying is, includes now and future tense. So everything I'm saying, everything I'm telling you now, and everything I'm going to tell you is from the Father. I've said nothing on my own, and I've done nothing on my own. So we clearly see that both everything Jesus said and everything that he did was in obedience to the will of the Father. And I want to quickly look at John 16, which is in this same Uh, section of chapters from that chapter 13 all the way through 1811 and chapter 16, the entire chapter of 16, Jesus tells us about the Holy Spirit. And in that, in verse 13 through 15, he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So everything the Holy Spirit does and everything the Holy Spirit speaks is in unity with Jesus Christ and with the Father. Just as everything that Jesus did and everything that he spoke was in unity and obedience with the Father. These scriptures show that Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father are one in obedience. One additional thing to note here is that the Holy Spirit is bringing glory to the Son. Throughout the New Testament and in these chapters in John, Jesus says over and over that He's here to bring glory to the Father. And then we see over and over that the Father is glorifying the Son. Nobody's glorifying themselves. They give glory to one another. And we see in the Old Testament, we know that when Satan fell, he was made, he was created to give glory to the father. But at some point, he thought he would keep some glory for himself. And he wanted to be worshipped and he wanted to be lifted on high. And as soon as he did that, that's when he fell from heaven. And then he came to earth and convinced Adam and Eve that God was holding out on him. He was keeping back something for himself. But if they did it on their own, if they took some glory for themselves, if they did what they wanted to do when they wanted to do it, not follow his rules, they could have some glory for themselves. And they believed it and they fell. And that's what humanity and mankind has been struggling with ever since. And Jesus Christ came to give us an example of how we were really supposed to live. And how we were really supposed to serve our Father in obedience. And we're going to see that in John chapter 13. We're going to start in verse three, and this will be on your screen as well. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back. God rose from supper and he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel tied it around his waist. There's two things that I want to point out here, and first of all is that Jesus served from a place of identity. He knew who he was, knowing who he was, knowing that all things had been put in his hands and under his feet, knowing that he was the Son of God, knowing who he was. He prepared himself to serve and he laid aside his outer garment and wrapped a towel around his waist. And the second thing to keep in mind is what we just read a moment ago regarding how Jesus and the Holy Spirit were always in total obedience with the father. And with that in mind, I want us to consider something this morning. And that's that during Jesus's ministry, there was probably some times where it was easier to be obedient than others. You can imagine uh, if God was speaking to you and he said, uh, just pray for that blind person and they're going to be healed. We think, well, you know, it might take a little bit of faith to step out and do that and believe. But I think part of us would say, I want to see this. This is going to be neat. What about when when he said pray over pray over this uh, few pieces of bread and these fish and it's going to multiply and feed 5000. Well, that's going to be pretty cool. Those weren't I don't think really difficult things for Jesus to submit to or humble himself to do what the father was asking him to do. I will say one thing, though, that he did in those things that would be very difficult for us. And that's that he took no glory for himself. Over and over in the beginning of his ministry, when he healed people, he said, don't even tell anybody. Keep this to yourself. Don't tell them I did this. Give the glory to God. All the praise, all the glory, all everything, all the honor goes to the Father. Jesus didn't hold on to any of that. He was totally humble in what he did. But all I had to say is even in that humility and even in that service, you wouldn't think those things were too hard to submit to. But now fast forward At the beginning of chapter 13, we didn't read these three verses, but it says that Jesus knew his hour had come. The Father had told him, this is the end. You're about to be arrested. You're about to have to go to the cross. You're about to lay down your life for these people. And later we know that Jesus is going to pray and say, Father, if there's any... Other way. Make another way. This is hard. If there's any other way, but if there's not, your will be done. I'll be obedient. And knowing that his hour had come, knowing that that was ahead of him, knowing that in these chapters we're reading the last things that Jesus did on this earth before he went to the cross the father spoke to the son and he said, wash their feet. You've been totally obedient. You've done everything I've ever asked you to do. You've been a good son. He honored him when the Holy Spirit came down. When John the Baptist baptized him, he said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And from that point before and from that point on, everything that Jesus did, everything that he said was in obedience to the Father. And the Father says, wash their feet. And As I was studying this week, one of the things that I read was that this wasn't just something for the servants to do. Like if they had a Jewish servant, even the Jewish servant wouldn't have washed their master's feet. This was like the low of the low. A Gentile slave would have been the foot washer. You couldn't get lower than the person who was called on to wash someone's feet. And the father asked the son to wash their feet. And it says, knowing who he was knowing He was the Son of God, knowing He was the King of kings, knowing that everything had been put under Him, He stood up and He took off His outer garment and He wrapped a towel around His waist and He prepared Himself to wash His servants' feet. I know how I would respond to multiplying food for 5,000. I don't know how I would respond if I was called on to wash someone's feet. And I racked my brain when I, when I was thinking about this. I honestly, you know, we always try to put things in perspective or in context to our current situation to make it more applicable. Maybe after the service, if you can think of anything, you can let me know. I cannot come up with anything In our culture, in the United States of America, today, that's equivalent to what Jesus was asked to do. God couldn't ask us to do anything that would humble us to that level. Not in our culture, not in our society. There is no job, there is no action, no task. Anything that I can come up with that gets to that level of what the Father asked the Son to do. And he obediently responded to what the Father asked. And he said, Your will be done. Paul references the, these two aspects of, of obedience and sacrifice and service in Philippians 2 1 through 11. He said, and he's applying it to us. He says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy. He's basically saying, if you get any of this. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, doing nothing From selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul is calling us to be unified in one mind, in one love, not doing anything selfishly, but in humility to count others more significant than ourselves. And then he reiterates that Jesus knew who he was and knowing that, laid it aside to serve, to be a servant. Even to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then notice in verse 9, therefore God highly exalted Jesus. Jesus never exalted Himself. He never glorified Himself, but because of that, the Father glorified the Son. And then we see in verse 11, at the end, all to the glory of God the Father. The glory goes back and forth and back and forth because they glorify and honor One another, total unity and obedience and service. I think we've made those two points clear and we're going to finish off with this lesson in chapter 13, starting in verse five. The rest of the story, Jesus, after he's wrapped the towel around his waist, it says, Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand, but afterwards you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Then Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. And that is why he said, not all of you are clean. So Peter displays something that is common to all of us. Not only is it difficult for us to serve others, it's difficult to be served. Can you, you know, speaking of how low this was, this act was, can you imagine what it would have been like to have your Lord and Master, to have the one that you know is the Son of God say, I'm going to wash your feet. Say, no. No. And Peter, being true to his character, once Jesus corrected him, he went from one extreme to the other. Okay, not not just that. Give me a bath. Wash my wash everything. And she's like, no, we don't have to go to that extreme either. We're just we're just gonna do what the father said. And the father said, you just need your feet cleaned. And then we see in verse twelve it says, When he had washed their feet, And put on his outer garments and resumed his place. He said to them, do you understand what I've done for you? To you, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right. For so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Our sinful nature doesn't like this example that Jesus gave us. Even the disciples didn't understand it. This should make you feel a little more comfortable Luke tells us in chapter 22 that this same night the disciples were arguing over which one of them was the greatest who's the best disciple who's the top man the truth is is that because it's in different places chronologically we don't know most people say that that this happened before Jesus washed their feet and boy I sure hope so <laughs> for Jesus' sake you know we know there were some knuckleheads and we see throughout the throughout the New Testament that Jesus had to be like do you really still not get it but man if he had just washed their feet and then they started arguing about who's the greatest i think i think he would have had a a bigger problem but What people believe is this happened before and then he washed their feet. And if you read with me in 22 verse 24, he says, A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And Jesus said to them, The king of the Gentiles exercised lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you rather let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves for who is the greater one who reclines at a table or one who serves and then jesus answers his own question is it not the one who reclines at the table that is who's the greatest in the world but i am among you as the one who serves. And then he stood up, laid his outer garment aside, wrapped a towel around his waist, and he washed their feet. And he said, I know who I am. I am your teacher. I am your Lord. I am the Son of God. I am the King of Kings. I know all of those things are true. And the Father has asked me to wash your feet. And so that's what I'm going to do. We have an issue with serving and being served. And I would also say we have an issue with giving and receiving, especially in our culture. I think different cultures are different in different places. But in the, in the States, we have, uh, you know, I, I pulled myself up by my bootstrap. I did it on my own. I earned everything that I have. And I've said all of these things. And I'm proud I I've been proud and I'm proud of those things. That yeah, I grew up and didn't have really anything, but I did all of these things. So much we get so far into this that uh even something as simple as a meal. Have you ever Most of you adults, maybe the kids, not, but most of you adults have probably invited someone to lunch at some point, going in with the expectation they'll pay for theirs and I'll pay for mine. And then the ticket comes and they grab it first and they pay for yours. What goes through your head? Well, now I owe them. I got to take them out again, and next time I got to pay for them. What if it's more than this one was? What if it's less? You know what? What if? What if? I mean, this is what we do to ourselves with so, something as simple as a lunch, because we're not good at receiving, and we're not good at giving either. Because I can do it on my own. I don't. I don't need anybody to give me anything. I'll take care of myself, and you shouldn't need anybody to give you anything. You should be taking care. Of yourself. That's American culture. That's not the kingdom of God. And what Jesus is saying is, I don't need anything from you. I know who I am. I know my identity. And in that, I'm totally obedient to whatever the Father asks. And I never did anything That I wanted to do on my own. I only did what he asked me to do. And I only said what he told me to say. And now he's asking me to wash your feet. So that's what I'm going to do. And he says it's an example. So what's he asking us to do this morning? What's he asking you to do at your job? What does he ask you to do in your home? What does he ask you to do? It's going to be different. He asks us to do different things. He's calling us all to different things. I gave an example in the first service, just of, uh, just of this service this morning. We have greeters. We have people that make the coffee. We have people who bring the donuts. We've got um, people who served on the worship team. All of you joined together as one body in worship to God. I'm bringing a word. All of it. We had people right now taking care of the kids in the nursery. All of this comes together to make this one thing happen. But every one of those things is a different way to serve. And God's doing something, one thing that's going in the same direction with all these people using all their different gifts in different ways. And God's not going to ask you to do the same thing that the person next to you is going to be asked to do he's probably not going to ask us to wash anybody's feet that wouldn't mean anything to anybody in our culture but he said i did that as an example so that you would know there's nothing too low there's nothing undignified anything that the father asks you to do is dignified Whatever he calls you to do is dignified. And we're not called to get glory out of it. We're not called to get honor out of it. Jesus never took any honor or glory for himself. He did it all for the glory of the Father, but the Father glorified him. And Jesus said in his prayer, I ask that, Father, you give your glory to them that the world will know. And we're not supposed to keep the glory either. We're supposed to give it back. Everything we do to the glory of Jesus Christ and God the Father. Whatever he asks. There's two things that, that I thought of that are examples of this. And one is marriage. Uh, and I would also say, well, God said, you know, in, in the, when he created Adam, that it wasn't good for him to be alone. And that's true. It's not good for us to be alone. But also throughout the Bible, it says that there's some people in in Old Testament and New Testament that are called not to be married. That God gives them a gift that they're not called to be married, but they're not called to be alone. No one's called to be alone. We're called to be the body of Christ. So whether we're married and, and together in that way, that just means you're married and you're part of the body of Christ. If God's called you to be single, you're called to be single and part of the body of christ and he's calling us all to do something in his body and the way that i think this unity comes to play in serving and obedience and being one in jesus christ is as a body with the body of christ we can't be in unity by ourselves. you may be of a single mind but you're going to be an only mind You're not going to be in line with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, or the body of Christ if you are alone. Jesus said, the greatest commandment is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all of your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so I'm sure many of you have heard like in marriage, the little triangle principle that God's at the top and we're on the side. And if we're both seeking God, we're going to be going in the same direction. And that's true. And in the body of Christ, it's the same way. We're not called to do the same thing. We're not called to serve in the same area, even in these four walls. But God's calling us somewhere. And the example in the body that I wanted to share with you is our eldership. We have six men who are all different, different characters, different uh, gifts, different talents. But as we seek God to lead this body, we seek him. And we're all looking to him. And we don't do anything unless all six of us agree. If even one says, I don't think that's what we're supposed to do. I don't think that's what God's calling us. We stop and we say, okay, either they're missing it or we're missing it. Because God's saying one thing. He's not going to tell us different things for the same body. Now, it doesn't mean we're doing one thing as a church. We have all sorts of different ministries and even people in our body are doing ministries outside of the church and even ministries in their businesses or in their homes or whatever God's calling you to. So we're not talking about one thing. But God, if we're all looking to him, is taking us somewhere. And so as we seek him, we're saying, God, what? Do you have? Where are you taking us? And if we follow him in unity and obedience, we as a body will be one just as the father is one. Just as Jesus is in the father and the father in him and he's in us. We can be one if we're all looking to the father. Just like Jesus did. Just like the Holy Spirit did. And if Jesus had to do it, you think we can do it another way? But we say in our pride, I want to do what I want to do, how I want to do it, when I want to do it. And that's the first lie Satan ever told. And it's a good one because it's still working. But God calls us and Jesus calls us and Jesus said, I gave you an example that you might know how to serve that you would know that there's nothing that the Father can ask you to do that's below your pay grade. Whatever He asks you to do is dignified. An example came to mind as I was doing the early service that, um, and I've shared it before, but you may have forgot or may not have been here when, when I did. When we were in Amarillo, uh, Kenny and I had been in the children's ministry for years at the the main campus, and we were like leading a class. And then uh, they opened a north campus uh, across town, and I felt like God. I really believe God told us you're supposed to go to the north campus, and I I heard him, I believed him that that's what he said. But in my mind, I interpreted it as you're taking me out of children's ministry. Woohoo! <laughs> I was like, you know, I knew I was called there and you asked me to do that, but I didn't want to do that to begin with, but I did it and now that's over. So let's, let's go and see what you've got next. And so we went to the North Campus and, um, went there one Sunday and the, the campus pastor after the service came and talked to Candy and I, and we knew him and his wife and he was like, uh, we told him, we felt like God told us to start coming. He was excited. And he said, I want to meet with you next week. And I was like, here it is already. God's moving quick. <laughs> He's, he's got, it, got it all planned out. As we're driving home that day, Candy is very um, perceptive to the Holy Spirit. And she said, on the way home, she said, I think he's going to ask us to do children's ministry. And I said, no, <laughs> no. God didn't bring us here to do children's ministry. Sure enough, the next week we meet and he says, I want you to run our children's ministry. And as soon as he said it, I knew in my heart, That's what he was saying. It wasn't just because the pastor was asking. That's why God had brought us here. But that's not what I wanted to hear. That's not how I wanted to serve. It's not what I wanted to do for God. But he said, serve. And I'm calling you to lead the children's ministry. And we were over the birth through um, fifth grade, kind of like our children's ministry and um, we ended up doing that for four years. Four years longer than I thought or wanted to do it. <laughs> and once God finally called me out, Candy stayed. That she, That's where she likes to be. She's back there right now. That's where he was calling me in that time, in that period. And it didn't have anything to do with what I wanted to do. He had a purpose and he had a plan and he did a lot of things in that. But what I want us to get this morning is Jesus just said, serve. Whatever the Father asks you to do, do it. And I've given you the perfect example. I'm as high as you can get. And I'm as humble as you can get. All I want to do is what the Father asks. There's a proverb, a Malaysian proverb, that says that the more, uh, where is it? Basically, the more rice grain that gets on the stalk, the lower it bends. And so, the more that Jesus knew who he was, rather than allowing that to lift him up and puff him up in pride, he let that bring him down in humility to the Father. So, the more gifted, the more talented, the more that you've been given, the more that it should bow us down in humility to the Father, because guess what? And Jesus said, Jesus said, I can do nothing apart from the Father. And next week we're going to look at abiding in Jesus Christ. And he says, you can do what? Nothing apart from me. So then everything that we have is from God. Acts chapter 17, 28, I think it is. Jesus said in, or he said in him, we live And move and have our being. Apart from him, we don't live, we don't move, and we have no being. So that's why this proverb is true. And that's why Jesus lived the example that he did. Because he said, the more that you have, that's the more that God's blessing you. He gave you those gifts. He gave you those abilities. And if God's going to move in our day, in our time, if people are going to be healed by miracles. Do you know how humble we have to be to not try to take some of that glory for ourselves? If he's delivering addicts from their addiction. After we pray for them. Do you know how humble we have to be to not squelch the Holy Spirit because we took some glory for ourselves. God's saying, the more that I want to use you, the more that I have for you, the more you've got to bow down. The more you have to humble yourself. Because it's from me. Everything's from me. God's doing so many different things. I want to share one last thing with you this morning um, just to give you kind of some information and we'll, we'll give you more um, as the month or months go on. Um, here uh, in this last week or so, we um, put out for some architectural drawings for the new children's building that we've mentioned and talked about um, for years, a couple of years now. And... Um, we believe God's been moving it, but it's been going on in His timing. And again, the elders have been in a green agreement. We've just been waiting. Um, as you know, we've been, when we paid off all of our debt in the building, we just started setting the building, uh, payment aside. And as people would give to the generations, we've set that aside. And at this point, we have a little over $150,000 that's just set there for that purpose. And now that we're going to get these architectural drawings, we're going to see what the difference is. And then we'll let you know. And then when we get the difference, we'll build it. It could be soon. It could be a while. It's whatever God's plan is in that. But we believe that's where He's leading us. And I say all that just to share with you that this last Wednesday night, we had 101 kids show up for Spark on Wednesday night. And that's a yeah, yeah. That's a lot of kids. <laughs> That's a lot of kids. And we've, I talked to Jimmy after our, our first service. There's been times in our history that we've had more than that. I think it's 161 or something was the, was the previous, you know, high point or peak. Um, but it's, it's been a while and certainly the highest since, since I've been here or since Amanda's been leading the children's ministry. And, um, you know, we need, I don't believe God's calling us to do that or bringing 101 kids here for them not to be loved. And for them not to be taught about Jesus Christ. And for them not to see an example of what servanthood looks like. And I'm not saying everybody's called to be in children's ministry. I for one know the desire to not be called to children's ministry. Yet, God called me. And I did it. Begrudgingly. But I did it. And He blessed me in it. And he taught me in it. But we, honestly, we do need people who are called. We've been play, praying, um, I think it's Matthew chapter 9. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. And the harvest isn't just Wednesday night. And it's not just Sunday morning. And it's not even just in our four walls. It's in our community. It's where you work. It's in your home. And God's not calling all of us. But if you hear God calling and saying... Spark Wednesday night, Youth Sunday night, life group leader, um, minute, witness to your coworker at the office. Do this different parenting your child. Treat your husband different this week. Treat your wife different this week. Whatever he's asking you to do, listen and respond. And let God do what only He can do. And let us have the humility that He can give us more and more and more. And rather than say, look what I can do and look what I did, that we would say all glory, all honor, all power to the Father. Because everything comes from Him. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? dear Holy Father, we thank You, we thank You, we thank You that You sent Your Son as the perfect example. And that knowing who He was, knowing that You were going to put everything at His feet, that every knee would bow, that every tongue would confess, He laid it all aside to give us an example. Thank You. For that example. Father, remind us in every area of our life that we're supposed to follow that example. That we would look at what our neighbor needs before we look at what we need. That we would serve as one, as a body of Christ. That the world would know that you sent your Son. And they would know that they're loved as much as you love the Son. Lord, I pray that every ear would be open, every heart would be open to receive your word. Our, Our eyes would be open to see what you're doing. And that we would respond. Whatever you ask us to do, Lord, I pray that we'll respond and serve you. And that all glory, all honor, all power will be yours. In your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to NewCovenantLampasses.com.